Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the book of Job, and this is something that is considered part of the wisdom literature of the Bible, and this is a book that we're not really quite sure about the date of its setting or of its writing. So uh, those are the two dates involved, basically the one in which Job lived on the earth and the other when it was actually written, which probably was sometime after Solomon, but before the exile. So they're guessing that Job lived somewhere between 2000 and 1000 BC, which is why I didn't put this book in chronological order because we're really not exactly sure where it falls. So I wanted it to be separate and set apart. Most of this book actually contains either Job's words or the words of his so-called friends. There's four of them, three that begin, and then there's a final one that comes in. And then there's the words of God himself, which we did speak about those. We referred to them when we were doing the book of Genesis and creation. We referred quite a bit to the book of Job then. So anyway, we have had some exposure to this book. So this uh, story begins really with with Satan and with the Lord um, dealing with uh, basically Job's response to the trials and the suffering that he endures. And so in the end, obviously, Satan is silenced and even Job is silenced. Of course, his friends are silenced, but God's word remains. We are going to treat this book a lot in the same way that we treated the book of Psalms. I highly, highly encourage you to go through and read this entire book. I'm not going to read it verbatim because there's just so much information, especially in regard to the words that the friends, quote unquote, friends say when they're speaking their piece, because while they think they're speaking from a place of educated awareness in the law and basically the judgment that they think that Job is enduring, they don't have the perspective to understand that the Lord is allowing Job to go through this process. So they are condemning Job and and basically saying that this is the punishment you deserve. So what is the sin that you've committed? So we know that Job was a blameless man. That doesn't mean that he never sinned. He was human, but he walked in righteousness. We learn that from the prologue. I am going to read that in chapter one. So it says in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. And he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So we learn that he's both righteous and that he is wealthy, but that he's a very good man. So he's a leader in his community. It says his sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. So picking up in verse six, this part of the chapter is entitled Job's first test. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. 
and Satan also came with them. So we're getting a little bit of understanding of what's going on in the spiritual realm. The angels present themselves before the Lord and Satan comes also. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? His response is much like the response that we get and understand from the book of 1 Peter in chapter 5. Satan answers the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. In 1 Peter, it's talking about how he does that looking for someone to devour. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan's argument is, of course he loves you, he's blessed. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you this. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So, so much is going on here. We found out that Job was a righteous man and that he was very blessed. And now everything that he had, his family, his flocks, his herds, his land, everything has been attacked and destroyed to the point that his children are now dead. And Job has the wisdom to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But he does not curse God. He praised God and said, I came into this world with nothing and I will leave this world with nothing. So then we move on to chapter two entitled Job's second test. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord again from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. 
and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan's saying, well, okay, he didn't curse you before when we took away all of his wealth and his kids, but if we attack his person, then he'll curse you. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. So his wife, who doesn't choose to support him in this, says, What are you doing? Clearly, you should be cursing God for all that's happened. But Job replies, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now, picking up in verse 11, we're introduced to Job's three friends. When Job's three friends, and you'll have to forgive me again if I mispronounce their names, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So chapter three is entitled Job Speaks and he opens his mouth basically to curse the day of his birth. And he was like, oh my gosh, it would have been better off if I had died. Like may the day of my birth be cast to darkness. And he goes on for the entire chapter to basically rue the fact that he had been born and wondered why he didn't perish during his birth. Then in chapter four, the first friend gives the response. His name is Eliphaz. And then he continues on through chapter five. Some of the stuff is very insightful. Some of it is judgment because he doesn't understand what it is that the Lord is allowing Satan to do. But also he points out a lot of amazing and incredible things about who God is. Like in chapter 5, verse 9, he says about God, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. In verse 17, it says, Blessed is the man whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Not understanding that God wasn't disciplining him for anything in particular here. Job replies in chapter 6, And basically it was like, if only my anguish could be weighed and my misery could be placed on the scales, the amount of the struggle that he's going through. But he's like, I'm not doing anything wicked. There's nothing that I could change. Chapter eight is the friend Bildad doing the same thing. And then Job replies in chapter nine, and he's speaking to who God is. Now, uh, in chapter eight, Bildad was pretty blunt about what Job was doing. Um, The friend before that, Eliphaz, was basically insinuating 
But Job replies and says, Indeed, I know that this is true. But how can a mortal be righteous before God? Though one wished to dispute with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the baron of Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Job goes on throughout this chapter to continue to speak about who God is. Chapter 10, he goes on about loathing his life and the struggle that he's going through. But he cries out to God and says, your hand shaped me and made me. You gave me life and showed me kindness. And in your providence, you watched over my spirit. So then moving on to chapter 11, this becomes the third friend speaking, and that's Zophar. And again, same thing. He goes on to explain to Job what he was doing wrong. And Job replies to him, Doubtless you are the people and wisdom will die with you. But I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior. Who does not know all these things? I've become a laughingstock to my friends. He's talking about life. Uh, It says, In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. He says about the Lord, he makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. In chapter 13, he goes on to say about the Lord, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. And I just want to pause there and really focus on what he says and remember what he's enduring, what he's lost, everything. Down to now, his own body is in complete and excruciating suffering. His friends are against him, judging him, saying that he's done something to deserve this. His wife told him to curse God and die. And yet here in chapter 13, verse 15, speaking of what he's going through in regard to the Lord, he says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Now that is faith. That is a relationship with your father. No matter what he does to me, I have my hope in him. I trust him with my life, with everything that I have. Moving on to chapter 14, he's back to being pessimistic about his life and ruining why he was even born. It says, man born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away. Like a fleeting shadow, he does not endure. And moving on to chapter 15, we're talking about the friend Eliphaz now. He has been sympathetic up until now, but he decides to be a little more aggressive with Job. Again, I encourage you to go through and read everything that the friends are saying and understand really where they're coming from in this discussion. Then in chapter 16, Job replies, and he says, I have heard many things like these, miserable comforters are you all. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? I also could speak like you if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you. So he says, but my mouth 
would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. So they're judging him and he's saying, I want to be comforted by you. I would comfort you if you were struggling. And then at the end of chapter 16, again, speaking about his Lord, he says, my intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of the man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. He goes on in chapter 17. He says, nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. Then Bildad actually thinks that what's happening here is that Job is having a bad attitude. He's not, but Bildad goes on to address that. And then Job responds in chapter 19 by saying, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Then one of my very favorite scriptures, Job chapter 19, verse 25. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. I know that my Redeemer lives. In the end he will stand upon the earth. This is the faith that Job has in his maker. No matter what he does, though he slay me, I will put my hope in him. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. Then in chapter 20, Zophar actually um, talks about him being a successful, prosperous man himself Um, He's again condemning Job. Chapter 21, Job is replying to him again. Chapter 22, the friend Eliphaz begins to speak. And this is the the third cycle of speeches, actually. Um, They all speak again for the third time. Then in chapter 23, Job replies again. In verse 11, he says, My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. So he's responding to his friends who are judging him, saying, You must have done something to deserve this. And he's saying, I have been faithful to my father. He continues that through chapter 24. And then in chapter 25, Bildad now replies. It's a very short response, and then Job replies to him. He goes on in chapter 7 to continue his discourse. Picking up in verse 3, it says, As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. So Job is really trying to convince his friends that he does not have this thing that he's supposed to repent of, this specific thing that he's being judged for. He says, as long as I have life within me, as long as the breath of God is in me, I will not speak to this wickedness. So that ends chapter 27, which is the first part of Job. And then we are going to pick up next time in the second part of Job. I'm going to pick up in chapter 28 next time and finish the book of Job.